welcome to the Reading for Success podcast brought to you by the Success League. This podcast focuses on books, articles, and other resources for customer success, provides an overview of each, and gives you an honest assessment of whether or not it's worth your time. Hi, my name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Reading for Success. I'm also the CEO of the Success League, a boutique customer success training and consulting firm based in San Francisco. This week, I'm reviewing a new article, and we're starting a new book, HBR's 10 Must Reads on Change Management. This book is actually a collection of articles on the topic of change management, and since that is such a hot topic in the field of customer success, I thought this was a great option as our next read. This week, I'm going to cover the first two chapters of the book. But before we get to the book, I'll be starting with our article of the week. This week's read is called Learning from the Future by J. Peter Skoblik. This article can be found in the July and August 2020 issue of Harvard Business Review and also on the hbr.org website. So it can be really challenging to do any kind of long-range planning when you're in the middle of a crisis like, say, COVID-19. What many companies end up doing is focusing on short-term plans, which often doesn't position them well when the crisis is over. This article provides an alternative approach the author calls strategic foresight, which helps leaders anticipate and prepare for various possible futures while still operating in the present and dealing with the crisis at hand. The author gives an interesting example of the work he did with the U.S. Coast Guard that ended up preparing them for the work they did during the 9-11 crisis and also presents a step-by-step guide for implementing strategic foresight in your organization. So how is this related to customer success? Right now, most CS leaders are dealing with, at best, significant shifts across their customer base and, at worst, major increases in churn and declines in revenue. They are in the middle of a crisis, and as mentioned in the article, the tendency is to focus on the short term. That said, there are many potential long-term implications of the changes brought about by COVID-19 that CS leaders should be considering. This includes questions like, is this crisis going to permanently shift our customer base to different verticals, demographics, or market segments? How will that impact our approach in terms of content and communication? How will the nature of our work change going forward? Will we all continue to work from home? Will we need to shift from on-site meetings to online engagements with clients? How can we keep that effective? And what will customers consider success going forward? Will their expectations change? How will we need to shift how we demonstrate a return on investment? This article is written to help leaders think through these types of challenges and develop potential future scenarios. So what were my key takeaways? I love that the author takes a skill that is pretty vague, quote unquote, being good at strategic planning, and breaks it down into a process you can follow to become better at that skill. There are two sections of the article that I think do this particularly well. First, on page 44 of the magazine, I'm guessing it's probably page six or seven of the online article, there is a glossary that covers the different tools that strategic planners use to prepare for the future. And that includes techniques like scenario planning, war games, simulations, and backcasting. The wide variety of different techniques and their descriptions provides creative approaches to planning for the future. 
Second, the getting started section that's toward the end of the article provides a step-by-step -step guide for implementing this kind of planning inside your own company or on your own team. While it doesn't go into a lot of depth, it definitely provides a great framework for how to approach the strategic future planning. I'm not typically all that interested in military strategy, but I have to admit the case study on the Coast Guard and their response to 9-11 was really interesting. The work that they did on a future scenario planning exercise that they called Project Longview prepared them to quickly rally both military and civilian watercraft to ferry people away from Manhattan, and then immediately they needed to step up port security in the wake of the attack. Project Longview was so successful that they renamed it Project Evergreen, and now they run a scenario planning exercise every four years. I thought that was really fascinating. Finally, I like that the author called out that aside from having established plan for different potential scenarios, this kind of planning has two other advantages. First, it provides a heads up on tools, processes, and teams that would be helpful across several different scenarios, which gives you great ideas for what you should be putting in place now that will likely benefit you in the future regardless of the direction it takes. Second, it heightens the awareness across your team around potential future scenarios so that they can be better prepared for the future when it comes. Is this article worth your time? I think that this is a great article for every senior CS leader to read. If you're already familiar with scenario planning approaches, this will be a quick review and may give you some additional techniques to try. If you haven't done this kind of future planning or you're looking to build your strategic planning skills, this is a fantastic first read that will start you thinking in the right direction as you consider what will happen when COVID-19 ends. Today I'm starting on our newest book, HBR's 10 Must Reads on Change Management. Now, if you're not familiar with Harvard Business Review's 10 Must Reads series, they are collections of articles about similar topics. I think I first ran across these in an airport bookstore somewhere, and you'll often find them there on display. I think they're really interesting, and they often have articles that are authored by very well-known business thinkers and leaders. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and I've got the ones on the topics of leadership, strategy, compensation, and managing yourself. I chose the one on change management for this podcast because it's such a critical topic in the field of customer success. Customer success leaders are often tasked with leading change on their teams, and CSMs are often leading change efforts with their customers. When change is planned and executed well, it results in high-performing teams and excellent customer experiences. Today I'm tackling the first two chapters or articles. The first one is called Leading Change by John Cotter, and the second is called Change Through Persuasion by David Garvin and Michael Roberto. So what is this section about? The first article is a pretty famous one and was published in 1995. It holds up. It is about an eight-step process for transforming your organization or your team or your customer and goes into depth on the mistakes that get in the way as companies try to execute on each of the eight steps. The second article was first published in 2005, 10 years after Cotter's article, and gets into the softer side of change. The authors position change as a persuasion effort but also touch on topics like organizational habits, distrust, change resistance, transparency, and accountability. So what do I like about this? Um, these are two great articles, but this is honestly the first time I've read them back to back, and I think it's interesting how complimentary they are. 
The eight steps from Cotter's article are woven through the change through persuasion article, but framed in a different way. While leading changes focused on the steps and the challenges that derail change efforts, the second article goes deeper on the people aspects of change. I would recommend reading them both in one sitting to understand how the second article builds on the first. And I'm talking 33 pages altogether, so not a difficult task. One of the most interesting parts of the first article is the stats that the author provides on the time and effort required to drive lasting change. Two that stood out to me are that 75% of a company's management must be honestly convinced that business as usual is totally unacceptable before you can move away from step one, which is establishing a sense of urgency. Wow, I have to say that's a very large chunk of your management team. The second metric that impressed me was Cotter's somewhat off-the-cuff statement that it can take five to ten years for transformative change to sink into a company's culture. And I thought, what? Who has that long? And I'm going to get into that in a minute. My favorite quote from the article comes in the section on step three on creating a vision. Cotter states, quote, if you can't communicate the vision to someone in five minutes or less and get a reaction that signifies both understanding and interest, you are not yet done with this phase of the transformation process, unquote. That is essentially an elevator pitch. And I think you need one for yourself, you need one for your customer success department, and you need one for your change efforts. So I am 100% on board with that suggestion, and I love that quote. The final thing I really liked in the first chapter was the section on planning for and creating short-term wins. I don't think many of us really think that this is something intentional in our business lives. We just get wins whenever they happen. However, the author's approach to designing short-term wins is based on human behavior patterns. If you think about it, consider most diet plans. They usually start with a two to three day or a one week long um, period of extremely strict eating, and then they loosen up as you go along. So why do they do that? They do that because their creators know that if you experience a quick win, like losing weight in the first week, you will be way more likely to stick with the plan long term. And I think it's the same with any kind of change. The text of the second article is mostly the story of how a new CEO is able to change a healthcare organization. It's a great story, but if you want to get to the meat and potatoes of the article, you can just focus on the charts on pages 20 through 21, page 23, and pages 28 through 29. The first chart covers the four steps for using persuasion to drive change, and the second chart looks at a timeline for the four steps and which steps have planning versus implementation components to them. And the final chart gets into common change blockers like a culture of no and an attitude of this too shall pass. I found this last chart particularly interesting and saw many of the companies I've worked for in the past on this list. So what do I disagree with? Two questions came up for me as I was reading both of these articles. First, both articles really emphasize the amount of time that it takes to create real change, and it is a lot of time. Unfortunately, the reality of some companies, especially early stage companies, but also companies in extreme crisis, I'm thinking of some as I'm recording this episode during COVID-19, is that they don't have that kind of time. Companies have short runways, or they need to pitch to investors in the near term, or they need to implement major changes to stay in business. 
So what are these companies supposed to do? Just give up? Focus on quick wins and leave the rest to chance? I wish that either or both of these authors had carved out a little time to talk about driving change in a non-ideal business environment where taking years to transform a company just isn't a realistic timeline. The other thing I had a problem with was the section in Cotter's article on creating a powerful guiding coalition. In this section, he puts a lot of emphasis on off-site retreats for building a minimum level of trust and communication for the group. This is great for large companies with the budget for that kind of work, but again, not every organization can justify the cost of that. And as more and more teams have dispersed and a global workforce has become a reality, it isn't always possible to bring people together in that way, let alone during a global pandemic. And while I'm sure the author didn't anticipate the current situation when he wrote his book back in 1995, I do wish he had presented a few alternatives to the now somewhat stodgy idea of an executive retreat. I feel like we could all use some effective ideas for building trust and communication at the leadership level, and Zoom just seems like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> so is this worth reading? I would definitely recommend that both CS leaders and CSMs read Cotter's article, Leading Change. For CS leaders, this will give you a strong framework for leading your team or organization through transformative change, and it will be an excellent tool in your leadership toolkit. CSMs should read this article with clients in mind. When you're onboarding a new client, part of what you should be doing is driving change inside that customer's organization so that they adopt your best practices. This may involve getting customers to change their internal processes or roles or even, frankly, their headcount. So depending on the scope of your solution, this can be a very challenging job, and this framework can help you think about ways to modify your onboarding process to incorporate change management. CS leaders should read the second article, Change Through Persuasion in Full. The example of the healthcare organization is a good one and will provide richer insights into the framework the authors provide. I think CSMs can skim this one by focusing on the charts, which really summarize the content of the article quite effectively. If you're reading along with me, next episode I'll be covering chapters 3 through 5 of Harvard Business Review's 10 Must Reads on Change Management. You can purchase this book on either Amazon or on the hbr.org website. Since this is a brand new podcast, if you like it, please take a couple of minutes to rate it and subscribe. You can also email feedback and ideas to me at kristen at thesuccessleague.io. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join Reading for Success next time.